Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association and available on our website at www.ceva.com. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitive Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Good to be here, Diane. Thanks for having me. Tom, you recently published your report for January 2021, which covers over 600 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in January, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? The markets had uh, quite a bit of seesaw in it uh, during the month. We started off the month uh, really on a down note. People were very concerned about the rise in the coronavirus and the like. And later on, we did have some strong returns that came in and on on over the weeks, right? So we'd have one week positive, one week negative, but big swings towards the end of the month. I think a lot of people were looking at the uh, short squeeze that was uh, made on GameStop and the increase in volatility that was out there. But the overall monthly returns actually were not all that bad. When I say that, we saw the Russell and the NASDAQ. NASDAQ actually hit new highs. The Russell had a 5% return for January. The NASDAQ actually was up 1.42%. But if we take a look at the Dow and the S&P, they were in negative territory, and I think that's what most people grabbed onto. That was down about 2.04%. But really, this was all on, uh, I'm going to say, three kind of basic negatives out there um, that people, I think, were a little bit more or less, less uh, sanguine uh, with the markets. And, and basically, we were looking at possibility of increased borrowing costs. We saw the uh, yield curve rise a bit uh, at the long end of the curve, so we saw rising interest rates. We saw a slow rollout of uh, vaccines. And again, I think all states were actually, you know, trying to do the most they can. There was a lot of vaccines that were actually sitting ready but unused because they they just didn't have the distribution out there. We saw an increase in rising uh, infection rates and like. And we saw one of the first declines in non-farm payrolls. So we saw for the the month of December, early reported in January, 140,000 loss of jobs compared to what analysts' expectations thought would be about a 55,000 increase. So overall, um, I think people were a little bit concerned. But then what we saw was a couple of responses, and this might have been what actually helped keep everything on balance and maybe even keep the out-of-favor securities. For instance, seen in the Amex, seen in the Russell, seen in the NASDAQ, even the NASDAQ certainly has had a good run already. But the likelihood of a $1.9 trillion spending plan to actually help with the stimulus package by the Biden administration was almost baked into the cards at that point. People said that's going to be a plus. We also saw the Georgia runoff elections a tilt towards the Democrats, which also would encourage you know, more of the uh, you know, Biden administration's agenda being served. Uh, so I, I think we kind of had a mixed emotions. Uh, we did see some negatives where we once saw positive S&P and Dow, but overall better. So how that panned out to the closed-end fund universe. On the equity universe, for the third consecutive month, on a NAV basis, we saw a 0.84% return. And on a market basis, we saw uh, also for the third consecutive month, 1.62% return. So we're all used to seeing 5, 10, 15% returns. But if we get back to a nice 1% return each and every month, that's, that was it was a solid month. Fixed income, on the other hand, we saw for the 10th consecutive month, on a NAV basis, a 1.13% rise. And this is despite having, a, 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 again, the yield curve uh, tilting upward at the long end. And uh, also we saw on a market basis them rise for the third consecutive month, about 1.15. And how I usually break this out, I try to get a little better uh, look, 75% of all the funds out there actually had plus high performance. So it's a nice number. However, equity suffered a little bit more, only 58% versus 88% of the fixed income funds with plus side returns. And if I break that down even further for you, 
for the first month in nine, we saw domestic equity funds um, actually rise 1.19%. Mixed asset funds actually add about 0.53% of their month end uh, returns last month. And then we saw world equity funds rise just 0.07%. And on the fixed income side, for the first month in 10, munis actually took the top roll up about 1.43%. Domestic taxable bond funds up about 1.08%. And world bond funds actually lost about 0.31% for the month. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month, and which sectors struggled? So we've been talking about this, I think, for the last couple, uh, couple two, three months. You know, out-of-favor issues really came back in favor, and we certainly saw that a little bit last month as well. So the out-of-favor issues and also sickle uh, benefited. One of the big plays that happened this month is we saw about a 7.6%, it's actually 7.58%, rise in the oil prices, right? So near-month uh, crude oil futures basically got a pretty good shot in the arm, and it Push the related issues higher. So at the top of the group, we saw in the equity universe, uh, energy MLP funds, which again, I'm cautious about because they lost so much money in 2020 and there's some legal issues going on on you know, how they're uh, you know, passing through distributions and the like. But nonetheless, up 6.09%, third month and four, they've actually seen plus our returns natural resources, which is heavily made up of oil and gas and that type of stuff, up 3.47. And then because we're still having a rising market in low interest rates, haven't seen a big change in just normal interest rates, convertibles actually went up 1.77. Now, on the flip side, we saw developed market funds lose about 1.71%. They were the big losers. Utility funds were down 1.28. And if we look uh, also uh, option strategies and options, uh, option arbitrage option strategy funds lost a little bit, about 0. 9% decline. Now, looking at the fixed income, though, this is where I think the story changes a bit. We saw that for the first month and six, loan participation funds were at the top of the charts. And this is that people are looking at this rising yield curve, right, at the long end, uh, inflationary concerns because of the $1.9 trillion spending and the you know several $3 trillion spending before that, et cetera. So up 1.75% for loan par. General and insured municipal debt funds leveraged they were up about 1.73, and high-yield muni was up uh, 1.65 at the bottom. Some of the leaders uh, over the past couple of months, emerging market debt was doing okay. It got clobbered and not bad, uh, down about 1.46%. And then we saw the uh, corporate triple-B uh, investment-grade debt funds lose about 0.75, and then the leveraged uh, version of that down about 0.37, so it didn't do quite as bad. But that's kind of the story of the uh, winners and losers for both fixed income and equity groups. Now, is this a change from what you saw in December? On the equity side, the leaderboard uh, is similar with a little bit of rotation, right? Energy more at the top, uh, top again. Uh, but again, the, I think the bigger story was the steepening yield curve on the fixed income side. And that's where we're seeing a little bit more focus on, uh, if you will, interest rate plays. Loan participation funds usually have a, you know, a piece in it where it's a floating rate and it'll adjust as interest rates adjust. Of course, people have to know when that break point is that they actually adjust in. But I think a lot of people were betting that we are moving towards inflation despite the Fed coming out and most of the Fed governors and presidents coming out and saying they don't see uh, inflation actually rear its ugly head for the next two or three years. Certainly, that was where they were. But the other piece was a little bit of maybe concern of the uh, incoming Joe Biden administration maybe reversing some of the 2017 tax cuts. So we did see munis uh, rise to the top first month and 10 that they were outperformers. And uh, all three months in the past, we saw all of the funds uh, classifications within that group actually in plus side performance. That's the third consecutive month we saw that. 
Do you expect these trends to continue into February? Um, uh, so, uh, yes, I do. Uh, we did see an improvement in the non-farm payrolls. That was good, but it's still on the low side. Uh, we had reports that the retail sales uh, were negative. It's third consecutive month that they were they were negative. But I think as we take a look, and the Biden administration and the Senate uh, is likely to pass another stimulus package, um, I think you know investors are going to keep an eye on first of all the lockdowns. Uh, you know, if they're, they're the new strains are actually being more contagious, but not only more contagious, but uh, also maybe causing more deaths. But people keep an eye on that. But if Everything goes off, and then the rollout of the vaccinations go. I think that uh, people are going to become a little bit more risk on and be able to take approach that they think that the vaccines will, in fact, improve. We've had a very strong three months. We'll talk about that later. Um, uh, so, so I don't think it'll be quite as wild as we've seen in the big returns. But, yeah, I think it'll be a similar month. Uh, again, kind of mixed group. One part of people looking at uh, new rotation cyclicals, maybe some of the people taking some of the money off the table from areas that they really got some nice returns over the last several months. Investors often monitor the way closed-end funds trade in relation to their net asset value. We often see a pickup in demand and improvement in premiums and discounts of closed-end funds at the start of the new year. What were the trends in premium discount behavior for January? It was uh, somewhat mixed, and uh, usually at the year end, we do see you know, some of the benefits of uh, some of the tax loss harvesting. But I think because we did see a decline and we saw uh, a lot of volatility in the market, particularly towards the month end, uh, we did see a little bit of change. Uh, uh, we did see a, a widening or worsening in the overall discount that was uh, applied to the and it's a median discount, by the way, not the average, but the median discount for all equity and fixing funds. 37 basis point widening to 8.67%. Now, on the flip side, equity funds actually experienced a narrowing, about 22 basis points narrowing. But they're still on January 29th, still trading on a median discount of 10.13%. And fixed income funds suffered a little bit. Obviously, when I told you they all uh, suffered a widening, uh, 34 basis points widening for the uh, median fixed income fund uh, to a 6.13% uh, discount. How do current premiums and discounts compare to the historical averages? Well, again, we're seeing a basic improvement, uh, I think, in general. So if I took a, a look, again, at all of the discounts and premiums added together, I don't care if it's fixed income or, or whether it's equity, the 7.29% is better than what we saw 12 months ago on February 28, 2020. It was at a 8.08% discount. And also, it is better than the moving average median of 8.67. So we're right around the same area we were about a year ago, about 100 basis points better, though, uh, in some cases, right around that area. However, if we take a look at equity funds, though, they are in a worse position. Um, as of 129, 2021, uh, again, I already said it, but the, the median discount was at about 10.13. If we look at 228, February 28, 2020, 12 months ago, they were at 7.72. So, uh, you know, I guess the vote is that it's still not all that great in the markets, right? They haven't gotten bid up too much. Fixed income funds, on the other hand, have seen an improvement on January 29th, 2021. We saw a 6.13% discount, and again, a median discount. Compared to a year ago, 8.38%. So that is certainly a better piece. And then when we take a look at these, again, you know, I want to make sure that people know that we're not just using averages because there are such extreme cases where we're seeing, you know, there's a fund out there that is actually at a 100% premium to its NAV. Right now, it's trading in that area. So we try to take it up by going to the medium. Which sector saw the greatest change? Well, basically, uh, we saw world equity funds uh, narrow, uh, 72 basis points. So they uh, improved to a 12.37% 
a discount. Again, that's still pretty wide. And then we saw the single states actually probably take the biggest black eye, 71 basis points of widening call it degradation to their nav. And, and that was, though, at 7.28%. So they're still sitting pretty good territory. Tom, we have had a change in administration, continued uncertainty around COVID, but with the distribution of vaccines, some optimism for the economy, but relatively high valuations in investment markets. Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities, given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? Well, you know, in the past, I was showing you some of the big moves that were made for the one-year period, and we've had some pretty big moves. And I still want to point out that, you know, some of the uh, Energy Master Limit Partnerships and Natural Resources Funds are still down significantly, 50 and 20 percent, respectively, for one-year time period. But taking a look at what they actually did for the three-month period, I think, kind of puts it a little bit better perspective for us. Energy Master Limit Partnerships are up 31.05 percent. Again, remember, for a one-year period, they're still down significantly. Natural resources funds are still up 24.97, and convertible securities for the three-month period, 21.27. So overall, they're still doing a really good job. So again, I'm cautious at looking at a one-year-ago time period versus the most recent one. Real estate funds probably, um, you know, they actually have had some pretty good returns. Uh, three-month period, it's up 5.92%, but they're still languishing if you compare them to the one-year trend. So Equity funds are, are looking pretty good, and I think people have to take a look at whether they're willing to play some of the steep, deep premium and discounts that are out there. And you will see very wide discounts for energy masculine partnerships and, and natural resources funds. But again, I want everybody to keep in mind doing that analysis. Also note that in the last three months, they've done spectacular. Let's so focus on the fixed income, and I think that really gets down to the question. Basically, I think we may see a changing of a guard if we're keeping an eye on uh, whether, you know, Congress and the president will pass through another stimulus bill of $1.9 trillion. I think loan participations could get another shot in the arm as people are looking for more inflationary pieces. And then if we take a look, the two languishing areas is corporate debt, uh, triple B rated closed end funds. They are, uh, you know, still in, in positive territory. They, they did a top performer in 2020, up uh, almost 8 9%. But for the three-month period, they're still at only about 2.88%. And we could say the same thing for intermediate municipal debt funds, uh, only up 3.81%. And I say that only for a three-quarter period, <laughs> or I mean a three-month period for one quarter. Uh, that's still phenomenal. So I, I think you know I'm keeping an eye on lo- loan par if we, in fact, have a steepening of the curve and uh, possibly more stimulus coming out. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. Are you continuing to see new issues coming out of the interval fund structure? We are. And in fact, if we take a look at Q4 uh, as an example, there wasn't a lot of uh, new fund action in uh, the first month. There actually was two new funds. I'll talk about that in just a second. But if we take a look at Q4, the split was four interval funds that were created to two uh, conventional uh, closed-in funds that were created. So we are seeing more proliferation. Uh, 2020, the number of con- uh, conventional closed-in funds actually brought to market was 10. Uh, it was almost a doubling, 19 for interval funds. So that is very popular, but I do want people to understand when we're talking about interval funds, and I'm, I'm talking about the numbers of increasing, that 19 could have been 
four different share classes for the same fund, adding up to be, let's say, close to 20, so you had five different issues, right? But that's not generally what happens. They usually come out with one in one period, a couple of months later, or even a year later, they'll come out with another the C share. They do have these so that they have different expense structures, uh, different minimal n- initial investments and the like. So, you know, and people end up paying a little bit more for, I guess we'll call it servicing fees and, and maybe kind of a load structure fee type of thing. Um, uh, so we'll see that. So I, I do want to say that, but really it has been the more popular way to come to market for 2020, almost a two for one difference. How have interval funds generally performed as we get into 2021? So if we look at the the actual group, they actually did for the month of January, a little bit better in some cases, a little bit worse in other cases. You know, one of the examples I always pull out is the real estate funds uh, is one of the big groups. There's 33 interval funds uh, to 10 conventional funds. The 33 interval funds had an average return of uh, 0.67% return, while the uh, conventional funds, conventional closing funds had a loss, but only of 0.23%. So, I mean, we're not talking a big, a big change here. Same with general bond funds. You know, we have a kind of a split of 41.25%. 41 for the interval, 25 for the conventional. And with that, we saw about a 1.01% return versus a 0.82% return. But but I, I don't think it's fair that I always point out the ones that are doing just better. There are several that have done better. But let's take a look at a category I just brought up, loan participation funds. Again, this is leveraged loan funds or bank rate loan funds, whatever you want to call them. Basically, we did see a little bit of benefit being in a conventional closed-end funds, up about 2.01% for the month of January versus 1.51% for the interval fund. So overall, they're behaving uh, in many cases, outpacing some of their uh, conventional closed-end fund uh, brethren. But on the flip side, uh, you know, I can say if you look at it, it may not be statistically insignificant or statistically significant in, in the case. Um, you know, those numbers are pretty close. One last piece, we take a look at the preferred income and preferred stock funds. We had a difference of 71 uh, basis point returns to so 0.71 for interval funds and a negative 0.12 for the conventional closed-end funds. Again, very close to each other, but uh, certainly the advantage so far for the month of January was towards the interval fund side. Are there particular asset classes or investment strategies that you believe are well-suited for the interval fund structure? Um, I do, and I, and I think that people, when they're looking at interval funds and trying to say, well, what are they really doing? Why are they different as closed-end fund than they are from an open-end fund because they don't have a market price, they only go by NAV. Um, basically, they're out there, and the difference may, mainly being you can buy it on a daily basis, but usually you can only redeem during the redemption period. So usually they offer a quarterly redemption or refunding of their funds. Now, that in mind, that allows them to buy less liquid securities or what a lot of people have been also pointing towards is real asset funds. So if we want to diversify into something that is, uh, let's say, less correlated or not correlated, that's hard to find anymore, but uh, less correlated assets with our current portfolio, this gives us a possibility of getting into areas that maybe were traditionally more held towards hedge funds and, and private clients that were you know, very wealthy, high net worth investors, because we find in their holdings private equity, private placements for fixed income, real assets, as I was saying, and certainly less liquid security. So I think there are opportunities there. I don't know that I'd go whole hog in to the interval fund space, but I do think they're a complement to our portfolio strategy. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me, Diane. Good to be here. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com.